I would like for you to open your Bibles. We're going to be in a couple of different places. Um, but in James, we'll be in James. We'll also be in Genesis chapter 1. We'll be in John 15. I'm going to kind of go all over the place today. <clears throat> but I, I feel like I have a word for us. Amen. Thank you for, to Shagoon for speaking two weeks ago and then for Hank speaking last Sunday. Those are great messages. Shagoon speaking on, on the praise and Hank speaking on the adventure with God, just going on an adventure with him and like letting him take us into the, the excitement, the adventure. And, and I don't want our Christian walk to become boring. And I love that, that praise is a weapon. And Shagoon talks about how praise is a weapon. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. We need God to intervene into our situations and there's a simple solution is praise. He loves when we brag on him. He shows up. Amen. And so today I want to talk about a season of transition. A season of transition. How many felt any transition in your life? Yeah. Raise your hand. I want to see. Transition. We are always going through transition, right? Yeah. I was always like, oh, it's always a season of transition. That's right, because if we're still alive, we're transitioning. Yeah. At least we're supposed to be, right? And uh, transition's not always fun. And I'm just going to kind of tell you kind of how this word came to me, and we'll tie it up and make more sense of the next couple of weeks possibly. But each stage of life and every stage of growth has a painful transition period. Always. Remember when you were a kid and you got the growing pains in your knees and you just laid in bed at night, your knees ached and your, your back ached because you were going through growing pains. Yeah. And we have the scars now on, you know, uh, where our skin just stretch marks, you know, on our hips. And uh, Josiah has the weirdest one right in the middle of his back. It looks like he has a scar in the middle because he grew like six or eight inches like over a couple of months and it scarred he has a scar on his back from the growing pains that he went through and how many know that when you were a, a child and you you grew up into a teenager there was growing pains that were involved and then when you went from a teenager into a young adult there was more growing pains and they weren't always the physical but it was like you learned some hard lessons on emotions and being a, a person of your word or uh, being responsible the pain of responsibility responsibility. And then you get married and you got a whole new level of responsibility. And then you have kids and it's another painful transition of, man, I don't know how I'm going to love another person. And then you're like, oh my gosh, how did I live without this other person? And then you have another one and then there's pain. You're like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to only love my first one the most and not the second one. And you find love in your heart and you go through the painful transition of life. It's constant, constant transition. And they're always painful. But I want to talk about the pain of responsibility. As we grow in the Lord and as we are transitioning in the kingdom and becoming mature, the Lord increases our responsibility and it's painful. Because when we were children or when we didn't have this new level of responsibility, it was bliss. Ignorance was bliss. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what I was responsible for. And so I'm not responsible for it. But now the Lord is saying here, I'm going to release new responsibility over you. And it's a weight. It's painful sometimes. It doesn't stay that way. But that initial launch into a new area of responsibility is painful. Amen. I've had this discussion with, with my sons, especially with Josiah as he's getting older. And I'll just say how I said it to him. <laughs> Josiah, you're 17 years old now. He gets tired of being dad's um, props for sermons. But hey, man, I had to do it when I was a kid. So, you know, I'm paybacks. <laughs> when he's the pastor, he'll probably do it, right? Um, but you're 17 now. And in one year, you'll legally be an adult. This is the talk we have. You'll legally be an adult in one year. That's drives me insane to think that I have a son who's about to legally be an adult. And this is what I tell him. The world's going to treat you like you're an adult, whether you are one or not. There's going to be some really hard lessons coming of responsibility, of making your own way, of deciding how you're going to live your life. And there's going to be some mistakes and there's going to be some, oh, I should have gone left instead of right. And there's going to be some of that transition that you go through and the world doesn't care. It's going to teach you the lessons. <laughs> Am I right? And I'm having this conversation with him and it's going to be painful. But if you don't step up to the challenge and meet it head on, it'll be even more painful. If we try to ignore it, 
It'll be even more painful and it will take even longer for us to learn what we need to learn. And I feel that's where we're at as a church, that the Lord has, has, tr- has trying to tell us it's time to grow up. Yeah. It's time to mature. There are things that mature kings and priests do in the kingdom that it's time that we start doing. There's some areas that we should take responsibility for. And it's going to be painful. And if we don't face it head on and just say, yep, I'm going to take my lumps, learning this new season, this new area of responsibility, I'm going to take my lumps. If we don't do it that way, it'll take longer and the lessons will be much more difficult. It's easier to just lean into the pain and say, yep, I'm here for this. I'm here to grow up. I'm ready to take some responsibility. I'm ready to take authority over my entire family. I'm ready to be the spiritual leader of my kids and for my future, for my grandkids. I'm ready now. I know the responsibility that comes with that, but I'm ready to learn it. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1 verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy. (laughs) When? When you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Everyone say patience. Ooh, we don't like that word. We don't like that word. But it's the testing of our faith that produces patience in us. Amen? And it says, let patience have its perfect work. In other words, don't subvert the process that patience is building inside of you. Let it run its course. Learn every lesson that patience is trying to teach you. Because if you'll let patience have its perfect work, then you will be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Everyone say amen to that. I don't want to be lacking for anything in my life. And the key to it is the endurance that comes through patience. Amen. James chapter 5. Let's skip over to there real quick. We're just going to jump around for a moment, and then I'm going to talk. James 5, verse 7. It says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until the early and the latter rain. So also be patient. Establish your hearts. Everyone say, establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, or you will be condemned. Behold, the judge, who is Jesus, is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets. Come on. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end that was intended by the Lord. And the Lord is very gracious and merciful. And then he goes on and says, don't swear by heaven or earth, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Everyone say amen to that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 verse 3. Hebrews 12, verse 3, and this is speaking of Jesus. He says, for consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you will not become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, come on, are y'all ready? My son, do not despise The discipline of the Lord. Everyone say the discipline of the Lord. Don't be discouraged when he rebukes us. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And the the son, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And if you will endure this chastening, it's because God is dealing with you as a son. For what son is there whom the father doesn't discipline? But if we were, are without his discipline, then we will become illeg- illegitimate and we will not be sons and daughters. What's the point? We're in, a, we're in a season right now where the Lord's saying it's time for us to step up. There is a specific calling on this house that's available to us. I love the, I love the fact that when God gives promises or prophetic destinies over a person, over a family, or over a church or region... It, it, it's contingent upon our yes. 
Like, he's going to do what he wants to do, but we can choose whether we're part of it or not. Remember what was said to Esther. Hey, if, if you say no to this, then maybe the Lord will raise someone else up. But who knows that you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I feel like the Lord is saying, there is an opportunity right now at Fire Life to see the revival of the Lord that he's promised us for years. We've seen glimpses of it. We've had experiences with it. But I believe that he's saying, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It has not even entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who will wait for him, for those who will seek him. I, I have seen in my my eye, in my mind's eye, my the, the vision of the Lord of what this house could look like. And I want it. I want to say yes to it. I want to lean into whatever I have to learn, whatever I have to learn, whatever lessons I have to take in. Come on. How many have ever been pruned by the Lord? Pruning. Ooh. Pruning's painful. Why? Because see, in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, is verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. From the very beginning, it was God's intention that every man, woman, boy, and girl would be fruitful and multiply that we would produce much fruit, the Bible says. John 15 says that I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. But every branch that does bear fruit gets the reward of pruning. So if you're experiencing pruning right now, that's God's reward for you. Hello? It doesn't always feel like a reward, does it? But God rewards all all fruitfulness, all faithfulness with pruning because he's saying, you're doing great. I'm going to trim a little bit here and you're going to be even more fruitful. It's going to be painful. I'm going to cut some back here. I'm going to cut some back there, but it's going to be worth it because you're going to become even more fruitful. God rewards all growth with pruning, but pruning is painful because sometimes another gardener has sown seed in our garden. There's a parable in Matthew 13. I'd like for you to go over there real quick. Let's do that. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. So Jesus is telling the parable of the wheat and the tares. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed did the man sow? I'm going to say good seed, right? But while, the, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then are there tares? He said to them, an enemy has come and done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? He, uh, but he said, no, lest while you gather the tares, you will also uproot the wheat. Let them both grow up together. Everyone say grow together. Until when? The harvest. And then at the same time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares, bind them up, bundle them, and burn them, but gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. What has happened is, I, <laughs> I feel like this is, a, this is a personal message. The Lord's speaking to me through this is that while we slept, there were other seeds sown in our heart. And <laughs> as the harvest gets closer, it's becoming more and more aware that there are things growing up in my heart that the gardener, my gardener didn't plant. But an enemy came in and sowed different seed inside of me. And as I'm getting closer to the harvest, there's going to be a painful pruning that's taking place. And this is what we're talking about right now. Because the other seed was sown by a different gardener who had different intentions. And he was trying to ruin the whole harvest. 
And so what's happened is we've been, we've been confronted with the reality that we've been caring for wheat and tares. We've been taking care of our garden, and it's got stuff that's planted in there that our gardener didn't plant. We've sown time and talent and treasure into growing these things up that we even think have become part of who we are. But the, the gardener, Jesus, the Father, he didn't plant those things inside of us. And we begin to grow, and we begin to mature, and these things are springing up, and they look just like the wheat, but they're not. And I feel like right now that some of us are becoming aware, like, oh my goodness, that's not wheat. That wasn't sown by my father, the vine dresser. Someone else has done something evil here and sown something into my heart. I've got to have that stuff ripped out of me because he didn't plant it there. It's not my identity. He didn't give it to me. Are y'all okay? And it's painful because we're realizing, oh my goodness, who would have done this? Who would have planted bad seed inside of me? Why would anyone do that? And here's the scary part. We look in the mirror, and sometimes we're the one who sowed the other seed. We've allowed the things of the world, the, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of life to cause us to sow seed and to care for seed that is opposite of what Christ wanted to sow inside of us. And we've spent time and energy and effort building up these things in our life that are supposed to be torn down because they've been idols that we've built. And they're worthless. The tares are worthless. They have no value to them. Yet another gardener has sown them in with the good seed. And the two seeds fight for nourishment. The wheat and the tares together will compete for the nourishment in the ground. I mean, it's just like our, our, our yards. If we don't water our yards properly and, and fertilize it properly, the weeds will come in and fight with the good grass and choke it out. And so all that, even you may water the lawn and I'm watering crabgrass and I'm trying to grow my St. Augustine and I have to uproot the crabgrass and I have to treat the yard to get rid of the specific types of weeds that grow up. Very specific weeds. They have to be handled specifically. And I feel like some of us have some competing weeds growing up inside of us right now that's fighting for the nourishment and the, the sunshine and the light of his face. And see, it's the grace of God that lets them both grow together. Because if you try to uproot the, the tares, you'll uproot the good too. So you have to let them grow up together. But when the harvest time comes, they will be separated and burned. And we're getting close to a harvest season. And there are some seeds and some things we've allowed to be planted inside of us that the Lord wants to uproot. There are things that we have put values on that are not valuable. Are y'all okay? There are things that we protect and guard that aren't worth protecting and guarding. There are attitudes and things we spend our time on and things we, we pour our heart and our energy into that's just worthless. And we're spending the same amount of energy, but we're not seeing the harvest that God planted because there's a competing seed there. Are y'all okay? And our values are shifting right now. And it's painful. I hope right now that you're feeling this too. I hope that you're experiencing the same thing, that your values are shifting. Like, man, the things that just seemed to be so important before, what was I wasting my time on? Come on. <sighs> Worthless. Yeah. It's painful when that realization comes, and, the, and then the, the anecdote to it is painful, but it's worth it. What we spend our time and our talent and our treasure on is being challenged, and it's painful. What entertains us has been put in the scales, and we've decided, man, that's just inferior. 
It really brings no value to my life. So here's the deal. If I'm investing in something that actually adds no value to my life, then it's stealing value from what should have value. It's stealing nourishment from things that should be growing. What nourishes us and feeds us is being refined and is painful. The vision for our lives is being superimposed onto our current reality. And the difference is vast. And that realization is painful. The things we say we want. God, this is really what I want for my family. I want us to know you and love you. I want us to be revivalist. I want our kids to serve you and see exploits. I want to see revival in our city, in our nation. The things we say we want, the vision we say we want for life is being superimposed on the life we're actually caring for. And it's huge difference. And the Lord's saying, then why are you nourishing seed that I didn't plant? Why are you allowing tares to come up with the wheat? This is so much better what I've planned for you. Let me prune. Let me take care of some stuff. Our old habits and our methods, the things that worked before, they don't work anymore. Because it's time for a new season. You know, in Joshua chapter 5, the moment they entered into Canaan, the manna stopped. And all of a sudden, God did not prepare their food for them every single day. They didn't just walk outside after 40 years of manna every single day, six days a week, twice on the sixth day, manna, food prepared for us. Now they enter into the promised land, and guess what they have to learn how to do? They have to learn how to farm. They have to learn how to find their own food, cook their food, gather it, make sure the weeds don't grow up with the fruit that they're trying to grow and the vegetables they're trying to grow. They had to learn this, and it took time. He said, I'm not going to drive out all your enemies in one year because it would, it would over, it, this would overwhelm you what's about to happen. But I'm going to drive them out one at a time, little by little. In other words, I'm going to let your enemy even stay there a little longer so that they will care for your crops until you're ready to take care of them. This is where we're at right now. There is a harvest that's coming for our house. And the Lord's like, I'm not going to do it all in one day. I'm not going to do it all in one year. But little by little, you're going to take victory after victory after victory. You're going to win battle after battle. And every giant that we remove from our promised land, is we're going to learn a new skill in its place. Because that giant was caring for something for us until we were strong enough to overthrow him and care for it ourselves. But it's the, the key to it is that I'm willing to step up and take the responsibility of it. I'm willing to say, yes, this is my promised land. Yes, this is my field. I'm going to care for my field. I'm going to care for my home. I'm going to care for the children you've given me. I'm going to care for my animals because I'm able to do it. I'm mature enough now. I'm responsible enough to do it. And this is where we are. Um, we've been through the season, the five, five years of, uh, since this is just my recent history. And I know I were, was here way before that. But five years of, of dealing with monsters and giants. Okay, you can fight this one now. Okay, you can fight this one now. Okay, you can fight this one now. Guess what you learned when you fought and won that giant? You learned a new skill. And now you are stewarding. <laughs> you are now stewarding what once was left a wasteland. You're learning a new skill. And this is where we're at. Fire life, it's time to grow up. When I was a child, I put away, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but now that I grew up, I put away childish things. I don't reason like a child anymore. My value systems shift. I love, I love watching my sons grow up and you see that value system shift as they grow. Isn't it, isn't it awesome when you see the light come on in, in any area? You're like, I'll take a light anywhere. Awesome. The light's coming on. You see them. Oh, I'll take responsibility for this. I'm going to care for this. And you're like, oh, they're taking territory. They're stepping to the plate 
of responsibility, which means God will bless them with even more. Because every time we take that step of responsibility and we say yes, the Lord entrusts more into our care because we're stewarding well what we already have. He's not going to give us more than we can handle because he sets us up to succeed, not to fail. You know that? God always sets us up to succeed. He never sets us up where we would fail. He never gives us more than we're able to handle. He, he knows what we can do. I love, we started to sing some of it today on that defender. He knows before I know where my heart can seek to find the truth. He knows where I'm willing and he'll invite me in. How many feel the Lord invite you in? Like he doesn't ever force himself. It's like he just invites us in. He says, hey, I can sense there's, there's a hunger in your heart to lean into another area of responsibility. Come on, I'm going to pull you closer. And as you just tiptoe in, he doesn't berate you and say, how come you've never learned this before? How come it's taken you so long? He's like, welcome to the plate of responsibility. Welcome to stewardship. I'm so proud of you. Let's go. Let's strengthen yourself. Amen. And this is what the Lord's doing right now. He's bringing us through a season of transition of growth and maturity. And I know this is true. If we say no to it, we'll still learn the lessons. But we won't learn them from a, a, a kind God or from a kind father. We'll learn them from a cruel world. Let's say it like this. The world expects for believers to look a certain way. How many know that? Did you know that the world has an expectation of what a true follower of Jesus should really be like? They, They get it wrong a lot, but there is an overall understanding of this is what a believer should be. You should have solutions. I think the world thinks that. Believers, if you say you believe in a God who can do the impossible, then how come you don't manifest the impossible in your life? I feel like there is a a reasonable expectation that the world has for believers. And they're waiting for us. The Bible says that all of creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. They're crying out for us to step up to the plate of responsibility and say, you know what? I'll take responsibility for my generation. I'll take responsibility for my city, for my neighborhood. I'll take responsibility for the wickedness that's going on in our world. I'll do what Isaiah did. Hey, send me. I'll go. I'll take responsibility. I'm wicked. I'm sinful. Help us. How many are willing to step up to that plate of responsibility and bring solutions to the chaos of our world right now? People are waiting for us. People are waiting for us. You guys okay? It's transition season right now anyway. Whether we like it or not, it's transition. And like Joshua, he's like, hey, you can judge for yourself whether you want to serve God or not. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will. For fire life, we're going after the Lord. We're going after revival. If the Lord says revival is on the table, I'm all in then. If revival's an option, then I don't have any other options. How many feel that way? Think about it. If revival, when I mean revival, I mean all the stuff you think of. Miracles, signs and wonders, salvations, deliverances, marriages being healed and restored. People that have, have had transition surgeries being healed and saved. Come on. I'm talking crazy stuff happening. That's on the table for me. Well, if that's on the table, then nothing else can compare to that. If I get to see the glory of God, if I get to experience it in my time, then what else could compare to that? What would I even allow to compete with the option of revival? 
What could I possibly exchange for the glory of God resting on a people to where his manifest presence, where heaven comes to earth? What could I possibly give in exchange for that? There's nothing in this world worth missing an opportunity if the Lord says, hey, it's on the table. And we were given that encounter. It was almost two months ago now where revival's on the table for us. It's on the table. God himself manifested his presence right in this spot and said revival's an option for you guys if you want it. It's on the table. You can have it. Man, what a great deal. What does it cost me? Everything. What is it going to cost us? All of it. What does it matter? Why would the question of cost even come into play if I get all of heaven. What a great deal. I don't care what it costs. I get heaven? Come on. on. Your whole family can be saved? Your family's struggling? Jesus wants to save you and your whole household. That's on the table today. Well, what a good deal. He wants to heal your body, and he already paid for it. What a great deal. And all I have to do is surrender. Like, I don't earn it. I just surrender, and it's available. (sighs) Revival is on the table for you and for me. For this house. What does it profit a man? If he gains the whole world. And loses his soul. Or what would man give in exchange for his soul? Have you found anything on earth worth saying no to the option of revival? Honestly, because when revival comes, everything comes alive. Our marriage comes alive. Our relationships with our kids come alive. Your business will come alive. Your home will be healed. Every emotional scar that you've had in your life will be taken care of in the presence of God. Every wound, every betrayal, Every heartache, it's all taken care of in the presence of Jesus. And it's all on the table for all of us. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all we could even ask or think. We can't even comprehend what's available to us. But if he says this is, a, this is an option then I'm all in. I'm all in, Lord. How many would say that? I'm all in. Why don't you stand? Here's what I'm discovering, what revival also looks like. Taking up areas of responsibility that have been left aside in my own life. They they don't even have to be spiritual things. Everything's spiritual, but we will begin to take responsibility for things because the Lord trusted something into our care. That's one of the greatest signs to me of revival is that people step up to the plate of responsibility and face the giants. And every time we win, every time we beat one, we learned a new skill and we gained a new field that we get to take care of and a new house. So Father, we come to you now. And first, I want to say thank you you've given us the option. 
given us the option of revival. Like, there's even a chance for it. Like, this is the one thing we want is to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the fact that you think that we're able to walk into this, that you've put it on the table, we say thank you. And if you think that we're capable, then I think we're capable. And if you think we're able, I think we're able. And if you think we're going to do it, then I trust what you think. So God, if revival is an option and it's on the table, if I've got other seeds sown that's competing with it, we just ask you right now, we give you permission to just mess with all of our stuff. (laughs) Would you pray that prayer with me? God, I give you permission to mess with all of my stuff. me to see things as they really are. Give me eyes that can see value, true value. We want to be trusted with the riches of your kingdom. So God, I ask for all other competing values in our life. Everything else that's competing with the real valuable thing of the kingdom. We ask that you would make war with those things. seed that was sown by another gardener, not by you. Prune us. Drive out the the tares that have been growing up with the good seed you've planted. Search us, O God. Search our hearts. If we have misplaced values, address us today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come as the searchlight. Come investigate us. Oh, come on. We don't want to mess this up, God. I know that's a Jared prayer, but that's how I feel. I don't want to mess this up, God. Like, if this is an option, God, don't let me do anything to mess it up. We will face, we will face the pruning as adults. We will not bury our heads in the sand and think, oh, it'll be taken care of tomorrow or someone else will take care of it. No, God. You've invited us to this table. And it's a reward. Come on. The pruning is a reward, God. The shifting of our values is a reward. It's your grace. It's your grace, God, that comes in and messes with our values. It's your grace, God. It's you saying you have no clue what's over here on this side. God, we ask that you would bring revival to our families. Come on. Mom, why don't you pray for that? Ask for God to send revival to your family. I mean, everything it means. been waking up in the middle of the night anybody raise your hand you've been waking up in the middle God's calling you into prayer God's calling you to prayer he's been doing it to me too I can't I can't sleep I lay here and I can't sleep and the Lord's like I'm calling you to prayer see there are different times to pray we don't talk we're going to teach more on this but there are times that where the heavens are clearer there's midnight prayers and 3 a.m. prayers that have a different effectiveness I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it, but I know it's true. And when the Lord calls you to the midnight prayer, the heavens are open. Take advantage of it. 
Come on, take advantage of it. He's raising up some intercessors in this house. He's raising up some that are going to birth things into the kingdom. There are generational uh, curses that are being broken right now. I sense it so strongly. Father, we just say yes to our bloodline. Cure our bloodline of waywardness. Cure our bloodline of rebellion in Jesus' name. Cure our bloodline of obstinance and rebellion. And come on. Our sons and daughters will not wonder. Our sons and daughters will not be wayward. We call them into the kingdom right now. We break the generational curse. The tormentor who comes to steal, kill, destroy. We drive him from our families and our homes right now. are a haven. Our homes are a place where the presence of God dwells. You are no longer welcome in our homes. Our sons and daughters will know you. Our grandkids will know you. They will know the goodness of God. Oh, I would have I would have died. Come on, David said I would have died. If I didn't know, I would have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, we know we will see your goodness. Come on. We know we will see your goodness. Revival is on the table. We will see your goodness in the land of the living. We will prophesy to dead bones to come back to life. We prophesy to fallow ground to be stirred up and to be fruitful again and, and full of nourishment again. generational revival fires are coming back. Some of our grandparents and parents and great-grandparents experienced revival and it's available to us now. I feel like I'm supposed to just share this real quickly. I had a dream about 12 years ago and for long story short, in the dream God brought me to a, a warehouse and I was so excited because my dad was going to give me a Jeep and I was really wanting this Jeep. And we show up and I'm like, all right, where's this Jeep? And I get to the warehouse and there's no Jeep. And I go on the first floor, the second floor, third floor, fourth floor, every floor there was furniture and there was dust everywhere, even though it was covered with curtains and, and blankets and things, but there was furniture on every level of this house that I went into. And we finally get to the sixth floor of this house and there's a giant crate. And my dad's like, that's your Jeep. I'm like, that's not a Jeep. That's a box full of a bunch of stuff. He's like, you have to put it together. I'm like, I don't want to put it together. I want a Jeep. And how am I supposed to get it out of this building anyway? That's not my problem. That's your problem. So I'm having to assemble this Jeep. And when I put the Jeep together, guess what? It's only got three wheels. And I was so mad. But that's how it was designed. And as I begin to look across this room, I begin to see all this furniture. And I start noticing. And the Lord began to tell me through the years what this dream meant. And I know specifically what it meant about the Jeep, which was ministry. I was going to have to build something from the ground up and deal with a lot of mess. I knew that. But he also told me that there were things available. In my bloodline, that, that other generations either took a little bit of it, but they never fully stepped into it. The Lord was saying, if you'll just take the curtains off, the blankets off, and dust, you're going to find treasure from generations. Six generations. This building was six stories, six generations of treasure that the Lord was saying is available if I'm willing. And I feel like the Lord's saying that to some of you, that there are generational uh, revival, generational wealth that's been just abandoned. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter why, 
And I feel like the Lord is saying to you, it's available if you want it. It's available. A supernatural gift of healing is available if you want it. Like you can have, you can be a healer too. Prophetic, it's available. A, a mind with just the ability to problem solve and to fix things, it's available. Start thinking about your family. What is your family known for? What, what are the strengths that you see in your family? That's what the Lord's highlighting to you right now. It's available to you. And everything you've longed for is going to be discovered in an ancient thing. That gnawing that's never fully been satisfied is going to be satisfied when you discover an ancient path and an ancient uh, talent, an ancient treasure. So, Father, we come to you today. We know that we're not just a one generation and we just discovered you. There have been many generations, even in this room. I see a rich heritage of families that have known you, that have seen miracles and signs and wonders and healings. And there is a momentum available. Come on, y'all listen. There is a, you don't have to push the rock from a standing position. The rock has been rolling for generations for you. You have momentum right now. We release momentum into the families in this room, those listening and watching. We release a momentum right now in Jesus' name in the spirit realm. What has seemed so difficult is now going to become so easy for you because there is a weight of momentum coming. There is a momentum of generations coming. <laughs> momentum cannot be stopped uh, speak it your sons and daughters are going to sense it oh come on
bless your families with revival. Come on. you with momentum and effectiveness that you've never seen before. into all of us we will step up and face the pruning and we'll face the responsibility like men and women and we will say yes and we'll take ground and we'll never relinquish it sand. This is for Jared. This is a Jared. No more freaking out when things are tough. No more freaking out when you don't know. saw what time it was a minute ago. I was like, oh my goodness. I'm sorry. We just need the Lord. I need the Lord. So Father, we, we bless everyone here. We bless them with revival. Revival, revival. Come on. Thank you, God. We bless you. Again, if you want prayer, we'll meet you here at the front. Amen.